Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Doug Krisner. We've got the S&P 500 Consumer Discretionary Index trading below its 50-day moving average for a second session. Now, the culprit of today's decline, Bed Bath & Beyond, the stock is down more than 12%, the lowest level that we have seen in these shares in about seven years. This is after the company posted a surprising drop in sales. Overall, the market is holding on to very slim gains. The Dow is up by less than one-tenth of one percent. It's being described as kind of a cautionary tone in trading uh, following a week that really has been dominated by that route that we have seen in the crude oil space. WTI right now is trading 42.92 with a gain of about four-tenths of one percent. But for the week, crude is down about four-tenths. Uh, check that, four percent. Financial stocks are showing a bit of weakness, too. Kind of surprising because uh, the stress test results from last night, at least round one, were uh, better than expected. Everybody passed with glowing colors. Uh, next week, it's round two, and this is going to dictate to whether or not the lenders can now increase dividends and perhaps buy back stock. S&P 500 better by two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ composite is up just about, let's call it one-half of one percent. U.S. 10-year Treasury right now trading with a yield of 2.14 percent. You're caught up on markets. Let's get back to Bloomberg Markets with Carol and Corey. Thank you very much, Doug. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. They call me the seeker. are definitely searching low and high when it comes to what is the environment for policies from the Federal Reserve and also what it means then for the fixed income market. Greg Davis spends a lot of time uh, dealing with that, principal global head of fixed income over at the Vanguard Group. Vanguard having about $4.3 trillion in assets under management. Greg specifically overseeing $1.1 trillion in fixed income assets. Uh, and lucky for us is in our New York studio here in Bloomberg, our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Welcome. Great to be here. Um, what's the most important aspect, element, factor impacting the fixed income market right now? Right now, it's been really heavily driven by what's happening with the Federal Reserve. Do you have a good feel of what the Fed's going to do? We have a a good sense in terms of what they're looking at. They're looking at, ultimately, uh, the conditions in the labor market. Uh, as well as what's happening when it comes to uh, inflation. Well, their mandate. Exactly. There are two mandates. That's exactly it. But, so. it's, but it's a tough one because unemployment, we're pretty much at full employment, right? If you talk to the economists. If you talk, but it, we, the definition of full employment has changed, right? So, you know, what, what we've noticed over the last several years is that the uh, the market's perspective and the Fed's perspective on full unemployment continues to ratchet down because we've seen lower and lower levels of unemployment, but we haven't seen any signs of real inflation stoking in the market yet. Why so. do you you think that is? I think there's some significant changes in terms of just the composition of the economy. Uh, when you think about the impact that technology is having on the workforce, the fact that we're in a digital economy that you can produce another unit of some good and it doesn't cost you anything else. So I think there's some of these secular changes that are happening that is keeping inflation pretty well anchored. Isn't that interesting? Corey, who was the CEO we talked to? Was it the idea yesterday where he said he could kind of add a layer of service and it really doesn't cost him anything, but it provides Absolutely. a new revenue mm-hmm. source? So we talked to a company called Cyrus One and they uh, we did a whole basically Gary, an hour on, this, on the company yeah. and uh, uh, the CEO and, and indeed one of the investors just sort of suggested that their ability to add on is, uh, you know, incremental uh, capacity uh, is, is significantly cheaper for them to add on uh, to their facilities. Right. That makes complete sense. Uh, that's interesting. So does at some point the Fed have to be like, got to move on? Well, I think I, 
you know, when, when it comes back to, you know, how the market data is unfolding, I think they're being, um, you know, they, they've mentioned on numerous occasions they're going to be dependent upon the data. And yeah. so they clearly have a desire to start the balance sheet normalization process, which they've messaged to the market pretty consistently over the last couple months. We've been spoon-fed it. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> so it's coming. Um, yeah. And we'll probably hear more about that at the September or September meeting. And, you know, we expect that to start, start that process by the end of this year. And then it's probably going to be a bit of a wait-and-see approach in terms of what we see in terms of... Of, um, you know the Fed Fed policy rate because they probably want to get a sense for whether or not there's any adverse reaction uh, with uh, with the balance sheet normalization happening in the background. Craig, one thing I want to ask you a story that caught my attention on the Bloomberg today and it talks about flows into European stock funds this year are outpacing the United States. That doesn't surprise me, you know. In terms doesn't of surprise me either. No, right. So on the fixed income side of things, is that an area uh, that you have found opportunities? I would say that uh, where we've seen a lot of interest from investors has been in still in U.S. dollar denominated products because of the yield advantage. If you look at where our 10-year Treasury is trading, you know, around a 215, if you look at where 10-year uh, German boons are trading around 25 basis points or so, and JGB is at five basis points. The U.S. still looks really attractive relative to these other markets. Who'd so, have ever thought that two and change would be? <laughs> exactly. It would be the uh, the high watermark relative to the rest of the developed world. But, uh, yeah, we, we continue to see flows into, into U.S. funds. And we've seen a significant pickup in terms of um, when you look at the corporate funds because there's incremental yield in addition to that attractive nature relative to Europe and Japan, but mm-hmm. adding additional yield on top of that is, has really been a point of uh, interest for, for investors around the globe. Um, in the corporate sphere, we, we've seen so many companies uh, take advantage of the low rates over the last few years, many years, uh, and borrow and change the, 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 no, the nature of their balance sheet. But uh, some of these uh, borrowings were very short-term in nature. Others were long-term. I wonder what you see in terms of uh, companies who've now adopted these balance sheets that, that you know, the money was so cheap, you know, why not? I mean, the ducks are quacking, feed them, right? But uh, uh, what do you see happening in terms of sort of reissuance or companies continuing to borrow? We think, you know, right now, given the dynamics in the marketplace and there's so much liquidity still, you know, searching for searching for a home, we don't think there's going to be any real rollover risk as long as fundamentals remain, um, you know, pretty strong. And we, we have no signs that, uh, you know, balance sheets are starting to show any signs of significant deterioration on the investment grade side. I can't really comment on high yield, but on the investment grade side, uh, you know, the industrial space, we're still seeing relatively strong balance sheets. Um, you know, revenue growth has been solid. And so, you know, the fundamentals still are supportive, and we don't really see any issues in the near term. But that will clearly change if, you know, we get into a recession or something like that. Do you see a recession anytime soon? And having said that or having asked that, is the market cycle, could it go on this, you know, expansionary, slow expansionary cycle? Could it go on a lot longer? Got about 50 seconds. We don't, we don't, we don't have a recession in our forecast in our base case over the next six to 12 months whatsoever. It'd be a very low probability event, less than 10%. Um, could this go on for a while? It depends on how aggressive the Fed is. I mean, it's gone on for a while already. It has. If the Fed ends up being, you know, um, pretty slow in terms of their normalization process and also raising, uh, you know, the policy rate, yeah. this could go on for quite some time. Greg, favorite investment idea? You know, we're still a fan of, uh, we're still a fan of tips. We're still a fan of uh, invest high quality investment grade bonds in the short term. Um, you know, longer term, we just say investors should focus on balance, diversification, and low cost. Tips, even though there's not a heck of a lot of inflation. 
there's always that potential. I mean, inflation expectations have come down quite a bit. We still think there's an opportunity for that to rise. There's always a potential I could win a lottery, too, but, you know, I'm just saying. Um, nice to have you here. Thank Great you. Great to be here. Thank you. Greg Davis, Principal, Global Head of Fixed Income at the Vanguard Group. Roughly $1.1 trillion in assets and fixed income assets under management joining us right here on Bloomberg Radio.